Buongiorno. Let's try that again. Buongiorno. If you're like, what is he doing and what is he speaking? That's Italian for like good morning. Uh, we just got back from Italy on Wednesday night. Uh, my wife and I spent about a week and a half uh, visiting Italy and Rome and Florence and Venice. And uh, this time last week, as you guys were worshiping, we had just gotten to Venice for kind of the last part of our trip. Uh, but we had uh, just a fabulous time. Um, from the, the time that we were gone, we had walked about uh, almost 90 miles of just adventures. And so we needed to come home so we could rest from the trip that we went on. But no, it was, it was a great time. It was refreshing. I appreciate just the prayers uh, f- from all of you. And we really enjoyed uh, the time. And uh, as most things, especially the older you get, it, it's good to, to go and experience things. And vacations are great, but it's, it's also good to get back. And so we're very grateful to be back. We're grateful to be here uh, with all of you. Like Garrett said, braving the weather. Anytime we have weather like this in Southern California, it's like, it feels like the world shuts down. And so, you know, just getting here, like, can you drive in the rain? Yeah, you can. Actually, you can drive in the rain. And our tires are built to do that. And so we're, we're glad you've decided uh, to be here. Uh, this is kind of the beginning of our Christmas uh, season launch. And I just appreciate uh, Garrett leading us this morning as we, we sing those Christmas songs. Christmas songs are designed to really put us in the right framework of what this season is about. Uh, but if you're like me, the Christmas season also represents kind of a frantic time of life. Uh, it's busy. There's an increase in uh, social events. There's an increase in sickness. Many have uh, been impacted in our church. And there's all these things that are going on at the same time. And in the middle of this season, you actually have to fight uh, to remember uh, what this season is about, the opportunities that we have. And as we sing these Christmas songs, just like this Oh, Holy Night, the, the reminder of Christ came here. And we celebrate the incarnation that he became one of us and he dwelled with us and it changed forever. It changed history. It changed the future. It changed uh, eternity. And because of that, we have an opportunity to celebrate. And I'm launching a new series today called Missing Peace. And as I was reflecting on just this title, I believe that this is an accurate, probably, description of what a lot of our world uh, is experiencing right now. There's a piece that's missing, uh, but I also think this title could be called Missing Peace, P-I-E-C-E, and I think those are, are connected. There's like a missing piece of life that many people are experiencing, as well as a missing piece of just a lack of uh, this sense of, of wholeness in life and that everything is going to be Okay. And so today we want to talk about how Christ coming to this earth, how him entering into uh, humanity and becoming fully man and fully God at the same time, how that gives us an opportunity in the middle of the things that we face, in the middle of all that's going on for us to really experience a peace that lasts. But missing peace uh, is, is real, and it's something that we, we deal with. It's just that longing for things to be okay, and uh, recently... I was thinking through, you know, at Christmas, things change when you get older. Uh, you, you, you know that if you're an adult, like you remember when you were younger, Christmas was like the best thing that ever happened. You know, you, you just, you make a list and you ask for gifts and people give them to you. And then you get to open them and it's great. And you don't have school for a couple of weeks. But then as you're an adult, Christmas is exhausting. And it, it still is is meaningful, but, but it's, it's different. 
you have to learn how to navigate all of the pressures that, that come. And uh, I recently was just thinking through like how things change related to what you hope for uh, the older that you get, especially this time of year. Uh, everyone's thinking about expectation and hope and, and what we, we long for. But I thought of this question. I just want you to think about it as we kick things off. Uh, what is the most important gift you could receive this year? So for you, yourself. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, I have that on my Amazon gift wish list. There may be this like perfect gift that you hope for and you can buy it at a store. And the younger you are, you know what that gift is. You know the specific thing that you want. You know where you can get it. You wanna make sure that everyone in your life knows that too. But isn't it interesting, the older that you get, most of the time, what you hope for in a gift, you can't find in a store. Because we realize that as helpful as maybe a gift is that we receive from somebody or a gift that we give to somebody, oftentimes what we really hope for, the older that we get and the more life sets in, the more reality we deal with, is most of the time what we hope for in a gift, it's not something unwrapped. It's more of an experience, a state of mind, a, a sense of making progress. We can get through things. We can survive. We can move forward. And then I came across this article, which kind of confirmed my point. And uh, let's put that up here. This is what uh, most people, go, go ahead to, to the next screen. Holiday wish list, two and three Americans just want a decent night of sleep. I thought, you know, that, that's interesting. Like, that's what people long for. Just, I just want to be able to have a decent night of sleep. And I'm on Italy time right now, so I can really relate to this. I was up at one o'clock this morning. I'm like, who's up? What are we doing? What were we, you know? Just like my mind is ready to go. You know, that's like jet lag. But beyond jet lag, there's things that weigh on us, there's things that we think about, there's things that we deal with, there's things that we face that can keep us up at night. Uh, when we wake up, they can keep us from falling back asleep, all the things that, that we face. And that question that we just saw there is, is an important one. It's this, is, is peace you know, even possible uh, in our time? I think that's the question that most people are asking in our world. People are wondering. And Christmas is a time when people are actually asking that question a little bit more often. Is peace even possible? Is that something that can be experienced? Is that something that we can see in our world? And it certainly doesn't seem like it as you look at different things, as people uh, share what's going on, as, as you look at headlines. Uh, Drudge Report kind of highlights all of the major stories. Uh, and I just saw these headlines, and you can see kind of a snapshot, and you're not going to be able to go to the next one there. But a snapshot of all of these, you can get links to the articles. And I began to look at each one and in each one, there was not one positive link that would like bolster your mood. Everything, it was, it was doomsday. It was negative. Um, I even just looked this morning and the opening is seasons sneezings instead of greetings. You're like, well, thank you for that. You know, just about the fact that everyone is sick and, and it's like across the whole, you know, country. But in here, it's just, you, you have war and Poland, missiles, railroad strikes, uh, the, the collapse of currency and and these are the kinds of things that, you know, if you, depending on your news, like, just can bring you down really quickly. So all of this is just in general, but then there's things that you're facing, there's things that, that I'm facing, which back to that question, is peace even possible uh, in, in our time? Is it possible in our world? And I'm here to tell you that peace is absolutely possible, but it's not by looking at headlines. And it's not even by receiving gifts. Peace is possible because of what we have and who we have in Jesus Christ. This is actually 
the most important time for our church, Ridgeview Church, and the church around the world to stand up and say, peace is possible because of Jesus. Peace is possible because of the relationship that we can have with God through him. Peace is possible because his word can guide us through hard times. Peace is possible because we have a guide who guides us up close, and he's not distant, and he's here, and he's in reality here and now. Peace is possible. And so we have an opportunity in the middle of everything that we have going on to really lean into the, the reality of Christ, why we celebrate Christmas, why we are here. And as we talk about this missing peace, when you come to Christ and you follow him and you give your whole life to him, peace is no longer missing. You have peace. Now, it doesn't mean that there's days that you're not going to struggle, but you have peace because you can have Christ. You can have his help. You can have his guidance. What I want to do is just spend kind of the first part kind of going through the, the Christmas story, which is, for me, always important this time of year to remember what happened when Christ came. And one of my favorite kind of narratives of the Christmas story is, is the shepherds. Now, part of this is my favorite, full disclosure, because every time growing up, we grew up in church and there was always like a Christmas play, and the shepherd was like the easiest costume. In England, where I lived for growing up, we had like tea towels, which are like the towels, you know, you dry your hands with, and a shepherd's costume just meant you just put a towel around your head, and you were a shepherd. And so I thought, I like those guys. I don't have to get really uncomfortable with like the, the, all the nice garb of like uh, the wise men. You just put a towel around my head, and, and I'm, I'm a shepherd. And so I always liked the story of the shepherds, partly because of that, but, but also because as you dig into the Scripture, you see this, this amazing thing that, that happened in history in real time that, again, changed our reality. And I'm going to be reading this morning this story of Christmas, Christ coming, being announced in Luke uh, chapter 2. And let's read it together. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now, I, I just sometimes scripture is like, this happened, there's angels, and then they were terrified. Now, in those three words, you don't quite understand the terror that they face, but if you could imagine, you're, they're your shepherd. It's not an easy life, it's a desolate life. You don't have a place to really lay your head. You're out in the open all the time. You probably see crazy things, but you don't see angels appear. These were brave men. These families had very thick skin. They survived the elements. They knew how to live in really rough spots, but they were terrified because of what was happening. And it goes on, verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger, lying in a manger, sorry going there. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And you see this, this announcement right here, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So the terror started as the angel appeared and then this whole army came and announced the greatest announcement that had ever happened the greatest piece of news that anyone had ever received, that this Messiah that had been promised to save people, to save them from their sins, to bring them back to the, their, their wholeness, to this relationship with God, uh, it had happened. Now, when you read this, 
it's hard to kind of take that in, just like the terror. You read it and you're like, oh, I'm sure you'd be afraid. But if you could imagine the armies of heaven. Now, God is an almighty God. And when it talks about armies of heaven, we're talking about not just like a little army of like 12 angels, but just armies that you couldn't count, armies that you couldn't fathom. You couldn't count the amount of angels that were part of this announcement. Now, if you look around here, uh, if we were an army, we're small in number, but we're mighty. That's what I say. But what I'd like to do, if you guys are okay with participating, just to help us get a little bit of what this scene would look like, we're gonna kind of divide this up into sections of like what this would be like for the shepherds to experience these armies of heaven crying out this announcement. So you guys, uh, you're gonna be the first part that's gonna be glory to God in highest heaven. You're gonna say that, okay? That's gonna be your part. And then, you guys ready over here? You guys are the second line, and peace on earth to those with whom, and then all of us together are gonna say, God is pleased, okay? So we're gonna just practice what it would be like, and I want you to, if you can, I know it's early, I know it's rainy, you just want to sit there. You just want to enjoy your donut and coffee. But let's participate. Let's get into the scriptures to try to fathom what this could be like. So if you can, in your like mightiest army type voice, let's reenact this announcement, okay? So I'm going to do one, two, three, and then you guys are going to say, glory to God in highest heaven, like as loud as you can. You guys up for this? And I'll see one, two, three, and then you guys will do your part. Are you ready for this? <laughs> This is called the first and last time Pastor Alex ever does this. In fact, second service, I'll say, you know what? We tried something in first, and I'm not even going to do it for this. But let's see how it goes. Okay. One, two, three. Glory to God in Excellent. One, two, three. One, two, three. God is pleased. Now, if you could multiply that and then multiply that again and multiply that again, and multiply that again, and it's coming from the very heavens, that's what it would be like. The most amazing thing that you could ever hear. Unfathomable. The whole earth just rumbled at this announcement of the armies of heaven proclaiming the birth of Christ. It's a fantastic scene. And this is the announcement that these shepherds, these normal people, Nothing special about them, hardworking, blue-collar type people, got to be a part of the most important announcement ever. The reason I bring that up is oftentimes we think peace is found for special people in special circumstances. We believe God may be play favorites. We may sometimes beat ourselves up and think, like, God, there's no hope for me because of what I've done. But here in this scene, as you see the armies of heaven with the shepherds, he came to normal people facing normal things and made Christ accessible. And not only that, he gave them the opportunity. And I want to start with this point that you can see on the screen. It's this. It's peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God. What those army of heaven represents is this opportunity to enter into the presence of God. That's where peace is found. That's what the shepherds were invited. Come, See the Messiah that's born. Come, experience this change in reality, a change in history. It's accessible to you. You can come. You can experience it. And the same thing that was given to the shepherds is given to us. And it's this promise of, of peace on earth. 
this glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to whom God is pleased. And that is the promise that we have. This one hand, this glory, this army of heaven proclaiming the birth of Christ, and on the other, something practical here and now, peace in our day. Peace here and now. Peace for you, peace for me, because of Christ. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God. That's what the shepherds were invited into, and and that's what we're invited into as well. I want to continue the narrative in Luke chapter 2. And the armies had left, and it says this, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, this is great faith. Notice, they didn't just look at each other and be like, wow, that, that was really interesting. Let's analyze that. Let's talk about it. That was kind of weird. That was kind of strange. Let's just go back to our normal business. No, it, it changed everything about their life. And they looked to each other and they said, let's go. Two words, let's go. Let's experience this. Verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, again, the armies of heaven went back and they had a choice in that moment. Were they gonna go do something that changed reality or were they just gonna go back to their normal life? And they decided there's no normal life after this. This announcement, these armies of heaven that announces it changed everything. And they said, let's go. And then notice verse 16, how did they go? They hurried. They hurried, they didn't delay. This was something they needed to see themselves. It wasn't a passive process. Most of the time when we think about peace, remember the promise, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. We think peace is sometimes it's like nothingness. Like we want peace, we don't want anything to happen. We want peace, we kind of have to just meditate and empty our mind. We want peace and we just hope that there's serenity. We want peace and we just hope that there's no problems. But that, that's actually not real peace. Peace is again found in the presence of God. And that's why they hurried. Their problems were still gonna be there. They were still gonna have to figure out how to make ends meet. They were still shepherds. They were still gonna have to brave the elements. They were still gonna have to figure out how to provide for their families, how to move forward in the life that they had. And it was a tough life, but they knew that they had an opportunity to get into the presence of God, the Messiah that had been promised. And they hurried uh, to see him. And so peace for us is the same. You don't just sit and wait. You don't just wait for God to miraculously open up some, the sky. It, it, it's, it's actually this thing of like God promises and then we obey. We move forward. We trust him. We, we move forward in faith. We, we allow him to come through. And he will, and he will again and again. And then the story uh, continues, verse 17. After seeing him, so let's go. Two words, very important. Let's go. And then they hurried. And then verse 17, after seeing him, him, Christ, the Messiah promised. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love this story. We don't really know anything about the shepherds' lives after this. 
the narrative of their story, it, it, it ends. Now we have our like, you know, nativity. Any of you guys set up your nativity scenes and you do that and you, you know, you have shepherds and they're a part of the story forever. Bible-believing people who celebrate Christmas who have the nativity story, like the shepherds are in there, but we don't know what their life was like. But verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks. They went back to their life. They went back to their responsibilities. They went back to what they were facing. They went back to their problems. They went back to their opportunities. But what did they do? They glorified and praised God for all they had heard and seen. I love that. They went back, but their lives were forever changed. Glorifying, it's it's to magnify. My sense is for those shepherds, their life would never, ever be the same again. And they thought about that moment that God had allowed them, these shepherds, these normal people with lots of problems just like we have, to experience the presence of God in a way that very few people did. This announcement wasn't made for everyone in this specific time. It was for the entire world, but it would spread through the people that were the eyewitness accounts. And it happened, because notice what they did. All who heard the shepherd's story, because they left, and they told everyone what they had seen. And it was just what was promised to them, what the angels had said. It's just such a a fantastic story, a reminder of what God does when we trust him. It changed them. They told everyone. People were astonished. And the idea is they were were marveled. They they wondered. They they admired, like, this this is happening. You can't put words like the astonishment of the people that heard. Now, I want to tie this to the Old Testament because what God does in history is he ties promises just like the shepherds experienced the promise what the angels said it'd come true, this actual moment had been prophesied in Scripture in the Old Testament before Christ had come. In fact, 700 years before in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, it says this. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is why when the promise that peace on earth would come, it was tied to this Old Testament prophecy 700 years before it happened. Can you fathom how God has wired this together? You couldn't come up with this. We couldn't put our minds together and come up with this story and piece these pieces together. No, this is happening in history as God is unfolding his promises that come true. And he is true to his word. He was then and he is now. And so when the shepherds were told that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, it's this this tie to this promise of who the Messiah would be, this prince of peace. And I want to just define peace since Christ is the prince of it. Uh, Peace is this in scripture. It's it's wholeness. You can put that up on there, the screen. It's uh, wholeness completeness, fullness of peace. Now, again, peace in Scripture isn't nothingness. It's not emptying. It's not this idea of like everything is fine. It's it's the idea that you have everything you need in the middle of the storms. You have protection in the middle of the pain. You have hope in even the middle of hard things. This idea of of wholeness is, is God will come through for you. He will help you. And it's so much more than nothingness. You actually have substance. You have 
wholeness, you're complete, and you have this fullness of the peace that comes from God. Christ, 30 years, about 30 years after his birth, described this Prince of Peace and the fulfillment of his life, and this is what he says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Christ, the Prince of Peace, was born in the manger, lived a life of devotion to God and love to people. And he came to give us his peace, and the peace came ultimately through him dying on the cross for our sins. Because the ultimate opposite of peace is is really this condemnation that comes. This sin is really the opposite of peace. The turmoil that we all experience in Christ, he died for us. He forgave us. He paid the penalty for our sins so we could experience this peace that he leaves with us. And even as he ascended back into heaven, we were promised the Holy Spirit, which is given to all who follow Christ. We have God himself living in us to give us this peace, to remind us of this peace, to bring this completeness and this this wholeness. Now, I mentioned we had gone to Italy, and it's interesting, even on vacation, I'm I'm the type that about halfway through vacation, you may be like this, but about halfway through, I'm like, vacation is over. I start preparing myself. It's over. It's, we don't have any time left. Let's pack. Let's get our suitcase. You know, I can be a little Debbie Downer sometimes. But on vacation, you still have life that goes on. There's still problems. There's still hard things. You can't have a life, a vacation that lasts forever. That's not real life. We know this. Life is, is hard. You can take a vacation, but life still happens. You still have to come back. Reality still goes on. For us to have this peace of mind that can withstand all of the different storms of life, we have to have Christ because he gives it to us fully, the Prince of Peace, the Promised One, the one who came, the one who lived, the one who died and rose again. This is the peace that the world longs for, but it's also the peace that they're missing. And so us as Christians, if you decide to follow Christ, as Scripture says, let that peace rule in your hearts. It should make you live a different type of life. Not a life where we deny hard things, but in the middle of the hard things, we know that God will help us, that we can get through it, that we can overcome. What I want to do is I just want to close out by giving just some practical ways that we can practice this presence of God. Because peace comes in the presence of God, not in the absence of problems. And you have problems and I have problems. So how do we practice this peace that God has left with us through Christ and through the Holy Spirit? How do we practice this in daily life? Well, it's with one word, and that word is is prayer. That's the next point. Prayer connects my turmoil with God's peace. What I want you to do, just for a moment, if you can, think about what's kind of going on in your life for you personally, and turmoil is just hard things, trouble. Just think about those for just a moment. What, what are the things that are weighing on your mind, the things that you're maybe struggling with or processing, the things that are kind of you're mulling on, you keep chewing on, that keep coming up in your life? Just think about that. Again, we have turmoil. That's normal. But prayer connects what I'm facing and what you're facing to a God's peace. And I want to end with scripture that kind of ties just how do we get to this point of prayer 
where we can experience the peace of God. And I'm going to share Philippians 4. Many of we've read this. And just a background, if you could go back real quick, I would just want to share a background. Uh, this was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. What was really interesting um, is that he was written, or this was written when he was in Rome, where we just were, and he was imprisoned. And Paul was imprisoned three times in his life, probably for an average of about five years, and ultimately the third time he was imprisoned, uh, he was executed for his faith. So when Paul talks about peace, this is a man, specifically as he's writing the scriptures that we're about to read, he's in prison at this time. Uh, he, he doesn't have the freedom for which we enjoy. He, he's experiencing like the lowest of moments. Like what all of us would just say, that, that would be like the hardest thing we could face. And that's what I like about scripture. Scripture is actually helping us deal with what really goes on. It's not uh, it's supposed to just be conceptual or theoretical or general. It's very specific to what we face. And so as I read this, think about Paul in prison writing this and that perspective of how crucial it was for him to believe it. And this is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Christ is saying, my peace I, I leave with you. My peace I, I give to you. 700 years before, he's the prince of peace. The proclamation of his birth, we can experience peace on earth. And then here, Paul gives some practical ways for this to happen. And so I just want to break this down really quickly as we close. The first thing is for, for you to experience peace in the middle of turmoil on me, we need to do one thing in the beginning. And it's this, turn your worry, turn my worry into prayer. Turn worry into prayer. It's okay to worry. But what scripture says is do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. So what should happen is, is as a worry comes, which they'll come, something that you're worried with, that turmoil that I had you think about, that's the signal that you need to pray and ask God for help. Uh, prayer here, it's, it's prayer and supplication. Prayer, that first word, if you go back to that scripture, a prayer means just this, this worship, the recognition of who God is. If you could put the scripture up there, yeah. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. The idea is stop, pause, God is here. Worship. Armies of heaven. Glory to God. He's here. He's in our midst. So prayer, worship, the recognition of who God is. Now this second word, and supplication, is this bring to him what you need, what you face, and what concerns you. See, when we aren't at peace, when we're in turmoil, there's things going on in us that are very unsettled, that we're trying to figure out, that we're trying to determine, that we're trying to kind of balance in our life, figure out what's going to happen. Sometimes it's the future. Sometimes it's a struggle from the, the past. Sometimes it's in the present. But all of these things are ways that we try to navigate what to do with the, the unsettling things. And what Scripture says is as those things are unsettling you, you have to turn that to prayer. And as you turn that to prayer, you're worshiping God and rem, you know, being reminded of that he's in our midst. So Paul is saying is in the middle of turmoil, pray and ask God for help. The second is to be thankful now, for me, thankfulness and the idea of, of gratitude puts everything 
into perspective. Because when we're unsettled, most of the time, we're unsettled and we just can focus on those things. You know, when something bad happens, maybe somebody gets, gets sick. And I, I'm not the greatest. Like in our household, uh, this is like full disclosure, my wife is so good when people are sick. Me, let's just say I'm, I wouldn't be a good like nurse or caretaker. Like I'm just, I get very unsettled when like people are sick. It just it, stuff's not right. It doesn't feel right. I get a little like, oh, everyone's not. It's just I'm at home and I'm just kind of stressed out at home. But one thing that, that happens in my life that really helps is like it's easy to just go down those like rabbit holes of negativity or that like we're going to be sick the rest of our lives, you know, or it's going to rain forever. You know, you start like it's just gloom and doom. It's easy. It's easy for that to happen. And some of us, like we can be kind of more that way. But thankfulness and, and gratitude reminds us that not everything is unraveling. Not everything is as bad as it seems. Nothing about life is, it's actually not as bad as it could be. Now, that can be helpful, but also scary as well. You mean it could be worse? And then you can think, what's going to get worse? And then you can get down that rabbit hole too, right? Like there's no shortage of things that can spiral is what I'm saying. But thankfulness stops the spiral. It's like stop the train that's off the track into the doom. And it allows you to say, you know, God, God is here. He will help me. And so prayer is that reminder. You know, prayer and peace are companions. But then gratitude is like bolstering. It's, it's putting this, this protection over you. God, God is here. I was thinking this, you know, practically. Uh, oftentimes we, we spend, you know, Thanksgiving and it's like a Thursday and then maybe the Friday we do a meal and then it's like that, that weekend and then retailers are like, yeah, but there's Black Friday, there's Cyber Monday, you know, and, and, but now Thanksgiving's over. But what if, just a practical way for us to be thankful. What if like in 2023 at the beginning of the year, a fresh start, all of us could have. What if every week you had like a jar and it's like your 2023 Thanksgiving jar as a family. And what if every week, you know, come as a family, you just everyone lists like something that they're thankful for. And you just write it on a strip of paper and you put it in a jar. And then for Thanksgiving 2023, what if as a family, you read the things that you're thankful for well, you did that every week, and everyone in your family wrote something they're thankful for. For Thanksgiving of 2023, you'll be filled with all of this gratitude that the family has experienced. But it's also training our minds to remember those things. This is the type of thing that Scripture is saying, is, is you, have to, you have to be thankful. You pray, you worship, you pray, you ask God for help, supplication. But with Thanksgiving, the reminder of how God has come through, the reminder of how God helps that he hears us. We can pray to a God that hears us. Even that you can be thankful for. But so turn worry into prayer, be thankful. And then the last is to rest in God's peace. If you could put the, the scripture up there again, to rest in God's peace. I just want to highlight this last part. So pray, be thankful. And then verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The idea is, Again, it's not in the absence of problems. The world thinks that you have peace when you have no problems. And so they try to figure out how to help everyone run from their problems or deal with your problems. But the reality is, is in the middle of the problems, we can draw near to God and we can have a peace that doesn't make sense. 
That's the promise of Scripture. You shouldn't have peace, but the only reason you have it is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, a, it, it's like you can't even fathom it. You can't understand it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you can't understand. What does it do? We'll guard your hearts and your minds. So the way that you think about things, the way that you evaluate your decisions, the way that you move forward, the heart in Scripture is like the cockpit of your life. It determines where you go. But when you turn to God and you ask him for help and you pray and you recognize he's there, you have this protection. And this, this word guard is this like garrison, a sentinel that's keeping watch. It's like you have a gunner that has negative thoughts come in or the wrong type of thinking or when your problems feel like they're just mounting and they're just weighing on you, you don't know what to do. You have this peace of God which can shoot them down. Isn't that very interesting? We're talking about peace, but the word guard is literally like this fight that's happening. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will actually fight against the things that drag us into that spiral of doom, depression, discouragement, the missing peace that we feel. You can go back to the three points. I just want to summarize these. Turn worry into prayer. Be thankful. Rest in God's peace. Uh, I want to invite the band to come up. As I do that, I want to just highlight the next step. Each of you, if you open your program, looks like this. There's a lot of resources, but here's a, a new resource this week. It's a uh, three-by-five card. Remember these? This will kind of take you back maybe to studying back in the day. Uh, if you don't know what this is, back in the day, we didn't have computers. You actually wrote on this with a pen to study things. If you don't know what writing is, that's a pen, and you actually write letters. Just talk to somebody older than you. But um, what I thought we could do as a, as a church is to, to really kind of take this to heart. So the next steps for this week is I encourage you, and in the program you've got the, the listening guide with the Scripture, is on one side of this, write out uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Just write out that Scripture, okay? And you, you don't have to do it right now. This is like a little bit of like a homework assignment, but just remember uh, write out Philippians 4, 6 through 7 on one side. And then, you know, you could on the, the next side draw a, a line down the middle and you could begin to think like what you're thankful for. And the other side is what are some prayers that you, you need to ask God for help in. So what you're thankful for and then what are some prayers. And I just encourage you through the end of the year, keep this in a place where you can see it at your home. Maybe it's on the coffee table if you have neat handwriting and you can display it where people will see it. If not, maybe it's in the mirror in your bathroom. Maybe it's by your bedside table. Maybe it's in your car, a reminder every time you get in. I, I don't know. But this scripture is meant to remind us of the opportunity that we have to worship God. And we worship him by praying. And so when you see this green card, I hope this encourages you to, to pray, to ask God, to be thankful. God, here's what I'm facing. Here's where I need you to come through. Will you help me? Here's what's concerning me. Here's what's weighing me down. Will you help me? And God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the job that provides. Thank you for family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for my church. As you do this practice of praying, asking God, worshiping, being thankful, the peace will begin to really grow in our hearts. 
and as it grows in your heart and it grows in my heart and it grows in the hearts of our church, as people come around and as they come for Christmas Eve and in the New Year as they come to our church, that's what we want people to experience, a group of people that have peace that doesn't make sense. And they'll want it too. And so I encourage you, take this and use this as just a reminder of God's promises. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our church, the opportunity to gather in freedom, to be reminded of the greatest gift to the world, and that's Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. We don't deserve a second chance. We don't deserve a holy God to want to relate to us, but through your love and mercy, you sent Jesus so that we can be made whole again. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, for a second chance. And God, thank you for the opportunity we have to practice being in the presence of God this Christmas season. God, I pray for all of us who are going through stressful things, who are experiencing sickness, who are experiencing just obstacles and trials. God, I ask that we will be reminded to ask for help, to turn our worries into prayer, to be filled with gratitude. And God, we need your help to do this. We, we can't do it. It doesn't even make sense to us. So will you help and quicken our mind to be reminded of the truth. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.